0: Hi, this is Amber. Welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you that don't know, I'm a Reiki Monster teacher and a shamanic practitioner. I've been running my own healing practice since 2007. The work at present is primarily focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union sessions and one-to-one coaching and healing. The website, again, is sacredspacehealing.org. If you hear something that sounds like a plane taking off in the background, that is the very useful but very loud fan that we have going at the moment, because it's pretty hot at the moment in the UK, and I always feel that the heat that we experience here, especially in cities, feels like you're a bug under a UV lamp, and that, you know, once I get out of the city and I'm in some small town somewhere, the light starts to feel real again. So, um, We've got the fan to cool us down. Weather engineering is a real thing, that's another podcast, but uh, just to explain the noise in the background. So thank you to everyone that listens in and all your lovely messages of support and also your donations of support. They're all very, very, very gratefully received. I am an individual in a small business and I'm not funded by some big organisation, mummy, daddy, or some you know wealthy a trio of people. I don't answer to anyone else other than my own integrity, authenticity and connection to spirit. I'm not funded or sponsored by a big organisation, which means I don't have to sell you anything. Um, And I don't have, as a rule at present, I don't have guests or speakers on the show because people often want to sell things through podcasts and my job is not to sell you anything. My job, I feel, is with these podcasts to plant seeds of awakening and questioning. Um, So thank you for all your donations because it means that the free content can continue to be created to assist as many as possible at this time. If you wish to donate, you can go to the website sacredspacehealing.org. There's a donations button and you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to at this time. You can also leave a review. On the podcast channel or you can share the podcasts on your social media or with friends and family whatever feels good for you and do please keep your messages coming in of how the podcasts have helped you or you know inspired you in any way it's always really really lovely to read I'd like to look at fear today and whether we are being um, well how far are we being conditioned and trained into states of fear at this time and what we can do to balance that out So this time, you know, depending on when you listen to this, is bang in the middle of a uh, virus around the world. Some people call it a pandemic, some people call it a plandemic. I don't call it either, actually. I just say we're bang in the middle of a virus at this time. And um, obviously this is creating lots of emotions in people. And one of the emotions I would like to look at is fear. So fear, as a teacher once said to me, is the absence of love. And I believe that's very true. Fear takes us into states of polarity. When we're in states of polarity, we can't be in states of union. When we're not in states of union, we're not in states of love. And when we're not in states of love, we are disconnected from our true nature, from God, spirit, universe. And we will forever remain disconnected from our beloveds. Our goal as human beings on this planet, I believe we come to planet Earth for many reasons, but one of the main reasons we come here is to experience polarity, but then to experience the journey towards union. It's like we set set ourselves a little test and say, oh, I'm going to go to a place of polarity to see if I can still experience oneness and union within this place of polarity. And I think that's the journey that a lot of us are on, and we know that we're on this consciously. Some people are waking up to that now, and some people are completely asleep to it. I think you'd have to be made of stone to not fall into fear at some point during this you know, situation that we find ourselves in. I think it's compounded by the statistics that are rammed down our throats on a daily basis through social media and media in general. Uh, it's compounded by you know, the, the requirement for safety equipment that we have. I got an email today from an osteopath and they went through a long list of things that they want people to do in order to feel safe in their clinic um things like you know stand outside for 15 minutes before your appointment you have to wear a mask during your appointment we will be wearing masks and visors and gloves and other protective equipment and um stuff about you know we'll be calling you to check on symptoms and calling you to check on your temperature and I just thought Jesus, I don't want to come for a, a fucking session with you. Thanks very much. I think I'll just take them out and do some yoga. I mean, I know you have to be mindful, but there's being mindful and then there's just being fucking excessive. Like, you know, where where have our where is our sense of rationality gone? Where is our sense of um, immunity gone that we are being told that we're basically being fed such huge levels of fear that the there is only one way to go when you're in such a state of fear and that is complete desperation. You know the only place that we're left to go to is being on our knees saying whatever it takes protect me from this silent invisible danger. I will do whatever it takes, I will hand over all my human rights, I will hand over all my free thinking, I will hand over all my freedom of movement, uh, my freedom of Um, choice because I don't want to be annihilated by a silent killer and I really don't think that's where our soul would choose to go I mean if you think about it your soul came to this planet to experience something I think we came here to experience love and unity I'm not sure we came here to experience locking ourselves away in fear and giving our rights away to big organizations uh, who can track us and put microchips in our bodies I, I mean i'm i don't know is that the is that the is that what you want to do is that the, your soul's purpose maybe it is i'm not sure so fear has no end to it right fear is a kind of self-generating virus within itself once we are locked in fear false evidence appearing real as some people say once we are locked in fear it's really hard for us to come out of it because it creates a very real response in the body. You know, once you're in a state of fear and paranoia, you can your body will do all kinds of things to defend itself. It will create and release all kinds of hormones and histamines and Other wonderful things to protect you because it feels that it's under attack, because you've told it that it's under attack. Fear can make us hallucinate. It can make us not hear properly, not see properly. Fear can suppress our appetite or screw with our appetite. We can put on weight or lose weight through fear. Fear can disconnect us from reality. It can cause a kind of psychosis in us. Um, Fear is really, really crippling. And um, it's not a state that we want to stay in for too long. Uh, it's not a state that we really ever really need to visit unless we are moving through a fear in order to get stronger and come out the other side of it. So in shamanism, you have various initiations that an initiate will go through, right? Like an apprentice will go through. And um, these have been distilled and watered down, and now people can go through these initiations as well if they want to, for example, if you want to work with the medicine wheel. And so... Some of these initiations are things like fire walks, sweat lodges, vision quests, and burial ceremonies. And um, having experienced most of those, um, the majority of those, my, I've come to understand that what those ceremonies are about really, those initiations are about, is coming to get to know yourself better, your threshold, you know, what's your edge, and working through your fears. So I remember the first time I did a vision quest. Um, I mean, it was a very beautiful, very challenging experience for me for lots of reasons. And um, I was very much in fear. So I remember, you know, being panicked about getting wet because it was gonna rain that night, being cold, getting hypothermia, being really hungry because, you know, you, you fast, for a period of time before you go into ceremony. I worried that I would get killed. I actually worried I would get killed. So I thought some animal might attack me or some psychopath in the woods might attack me. Um, I worried about lots of things. Some were rational possibly and some were completely irrational. I took all of those fears into my ceremony and I had one of the hardest ceremonies of my life. I I felt like I was losing my mind. I felt Utterly terrified. Um, And I had to sit with that terror. I mean, I could have left. I could have got up and gone back to camp and said, I'm done, but I've never been a quitter. So I stayed, and I stayed with all of those fears. It did rain. I did get absolutely soaking wet. My tree gave me, you know, zero protection. Um, I uh, I was cold. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I was hungry. I can't remember. I wasn't attacked by an animal or by a psychopath in the woods, although they were animals around me, and I thought they were going to attack me, but I think they were just curious. They were just wondering, what is this person doing here in the woods, um, in our home? Um, and so traditionally, you know, the vision quest, we sitting out as it's in Celtic Shamanism. You, uh, Your camp, your community holds space for you. They drum, they sing, they pray for you, and off you go. You go to a mountaintop, you go somewhere on the land, with everything that you can carry on your back to sustain you so if you want your tent um, any food that you might need source of fire shelter clothes so on and so on right just enough that you can carry you're not going to go there in a car and take your yurt with you and your sheepskin rug you're going to go with what you can carry on your back and then you set up camp sometimes people have tents sometimes they don't and you stay out on the land until you've re- received your vision from the spiritual higher self or until you've received the answer that you're seeking, until you've received whatever it is that you're seeking, right? So, anything between a day to a week, sometimes longer, but you are without food. You are fasting during this period of time. Many people fast for a week. Many people can't fast for that long. Um, some people, you know, they eat a little bit, whatever they could take with them, right? And the whole time, your community is praying for you and holding space for you and keeping you safe and protected in in in, in their thoughts. But yeah, obviously, anything could happen, I guess. You could probably die on that mountaintop. But you trust that when you're held by spirit, you trust that when you are doing something that is in alignment with your beliefs and your truth, um, that you're held. You know, you trust that your community will hold you. You have faith. You have faith in a higher power than you. So it wasn't that extreme for me. I wasn't out, you know, on the land in the scorching heat for seven days. But I did... Experienced a lot of fear uh, in that ceremony. And it was interesting what fear did to me. You know, fear fear caused me a lot of pain, both mentally and physically. And I remember that when the sun came up the next day and I could leave where I was and go back to camp, I didn't want to. Because, I, re- I you know, I remember it being the longest night ever, and me just waiting for that moon to cross the sky so the sun would come up. And just being completely sort of caught up in this fear and, and all of the, the these emotions that I was experiencing. And as the night waned and the and the day the new day started, I realised that these fears were just in me, that the land wasn't going to hurt me, the animals weren't going to hurt me, and we were safe because obviously my teacher had not you know sent us out in the middle of nowhere near a place where psychopaths could get us. That, that, are, that my community was there holding space for me and that at any time if I needed help, they would help me. There's always that there's no sense of danger and risk, but that ultimately you are held. But then beyond all of that, how held and loved I was by spirit, God's spirit, universe. And that all, actually what was happening was the fears that were within me were being projected out onto my environment, onto the darkness. And I was seeing it as malevolent. I was seeing the land as malevolent. And I realized that it was just a projection of what was within me. And the second time I did my vision quest, I remember being told by my teacher that, because I'd been so cold on the first vision quest, I'd been shivering. And I was, I mean, I was a lunatic. I'd taken, I'd taken blankets, I'd taken, I was wearing so many layers of clothes. It was insane. And I was, still, I was still shivering the whole night long, even though the number of layers I had on, I shouldn't have been shivering. And I remember my teacher saying to me, that's just fear. You shivering is just fear. And I was like, oh, fuck off. No, it's not. I, I, you know, I know my body. I know what's fear and I know what's cold. But the next time I did my vision quest, I wanted to prove him wrong. So he said to me, you know, this time don't go with loads of stuff. Just take your blanket, you know, and anything else that you might need for the vision quest. So keep it really simple. So that's what I did. I took my blanket. I took some other stuff. And every time I got cold, I, obviously I was practical, I put my blanket around me, but I sang, I sang prayer songs, I prayed, I asked for help, I moved my body, I danced, I called in power. And within moments, that that cold, that sort of chilled the bone, that kind of fear, trembling left. And you no, know, it didn't rain that night, and you know, I'm not sure if it was any colder that night than another night but I did not have the same experience yes at times I was scared and the land seemed malevolent and I had the same fears of something's going to get me but I overcame them through faith I overcame them through prayer I overcame them through ritual through my belief in my community in myself and in higher power and when the sun came up the following morning, it was the most beautiful thing, and I felt like I'd had one of the most beautiful experiences of my life that didn't have to be torturous. Uh, that's just one of the initiations that, you know, I went through in my in, in my journey around the medicine wheel. But I mention that because, you know, for the shaman, for the initiate, for the apprentice, you put yourself through these crazy things so you can face yourself, so you can face your fears, So you can go to that edge, so you can work out what your edge is. And everyone has different fears, you know. Like for some people it's a fear of being in pain, or a fear of being attacked, or a fear of death. Um, I think the fear of death is interesting. What is it that's so scary about death? I've never really understood that, and I know lots of people feel the same way, lots of people that I know. Is that, you know, death is you going home. Like death is you going back. To your home, and I always wonder what this incredible fear of death is. I understand that there's a fear of leaving behind loved ones, although spirit never dies, and that you know your connections with your loved ones will never end just because you're not in a physical incarnation. Maybe there's a fear of unfinished business or projects that one wanted to complete. But in the grander scheme of things, how important are they? What is that fear of death about? What is that fear of um, leaving planet Earth about? And I think one of the things I can surmise from that is that it's it's because we don't have a relationship with God's spirit universe, that we're spiritually bereft. We're spiritually empty. And so we're trying to fill ourselves, like this osteopath, with things from the external that are going to protect us. Now, you know, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole of, yes, Amber, but you need to wear a mask and you need to do this, la, 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 la. I'm not disputing any of that stuff. What I'm shining a light on is the fact that you know we can do the things that we have to do to be to be mindfully safe but but we also have to keep uh keep our wits about us you know like some of again using this example some of the things this osteopath was saying was like we're going to be wiping down surfaces after every client and we'll be opening windows for 15 minutes between clients and I thought do you mean you haven't been doing that for the last however many years Because that's standard practice energetically. And this is one of the things that is fascinating to me is that, you know, when you're energetically in tune, when you're plugged in to the spirit world, this is stuff that's just everyday living. You know, when I used to see clients in treatment rooms, um, I would cleanse the space between each client. And it wouldn't even cross my mind to not do that, energetically and physically cleanse the space. So the fact that this... Osteopath hadn't even been doing that between her sessions was telling in itself, you know, and because it's like a, a leap isn't it? It's like a leap from zero to a hundred. Oh there's been no sense of thought around contamination or the mixing of energies, and so we go from zero to a hundred that now everything becomes polarized and in a state of fear when actually there is a middle way um I've said this before, you know social distancing is about being mindful. Of the person next to you, you know, we have this thing in cities where people stand right up close next to you, and then they sneeze and they cough and they pick their nose, and they think that that's okay, and it's not. You're in my energy field. Fuck off. Back to your energy field. So actually, this whole social distancing thing is just about being in your energy field, being mindful of your energy. If you feel ill, be mindful of your energy. If you feel vulnerable, be mindful of your energy. I kind of think that there there is a positive way that we can look at this, which is about growing spiritually rather than going down the rabbit hole of let me put, you know, 15 different things on me and that will protect me from this invisible enemy. The enemy will always be an invisible enemy and we will always be told that there is an invisible enemy knocking on our door. But ultimately, the greatest invisible enemy knocking at our door is the one that is within us that we have yet to look at. So I think... Our fears of leaving this planet, but our fears in general, are often a really good indicator that we are out of alignment, that we're not connected to love, and that we're not connected to us, to our, our spiritual selves. That we don't have a spiritual practice, that we don't have a faith, that we don't have a belief in anything that is greater than us. That we're putting all of our belief, all of our store, all of our faith in the physical world. These physical things will make me feel better. This physical tablet will make me feel better. This tracking device will make me feel better. This physical person will make me feel better. And all of those really are pale substitutes for a deeper connection to something that is beyond this world. And I think when we have that deeper connection to something that is beyond this world, we don't fear leaving this world. It doesn't mean that we want to kill ourselves tomorrow, but it means that there isn't that fear of, Oh my God, what will happen if I die? Because you've already created that pathway home. Many mystics and spirit, spiritual visionaries and teachers will say that really our our, our sole existence on planet Earth is to learn how to die well. To die with love in our hearts. To transition peacefully. And to, um, to make that process as effortless as possible. And the... What the majority of us do is die badly. That's, and then I'm not talking about you know war and accidents and so on. I just mean that you know people often die with unresolved um, stuff. You know they they died grasping onto this world, not wanting to let go, without peace in their hearts. The ancient Egyptians had this, uh, this this way of assessing a good life and that was that when you pass over, your, your life, the, the success of your life will be assessed by weighing your heart. So your heart will be put on a scales and it will be weighed in comparison to a feather and if your heart is found to be heavier than the feather then you didn't really live a very successful life. I think we are here to learn to overcome our fears, our conditioning and to have faith in something that is greater than us. It doesn't mean we go around living life foolishly. This isn't me endorsing people, you know, coughing on strangers or not doing what they need to do to make themselves and others feel safe at a time of um, uh, illness, sickness in the world. So this isn't saying that. This is just asking you to shine a light on where you are with fear in your life right now, and is it serving you? In shamanic initiation, fear is a conduit and as we move through it, we come into our power. We release something, we leave something behind and we grow. Is fear at the moment serving as a conduit in your life for your spiritual growth or is it something that is hobbling you and holding you back from your truest potential? The website again is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Wherever you are on your journey... I wish you much joy, love, peace and abundance. Until the next time.